like I get to see what all like the actual kids are really getting into mm. and it's making discord bots and like hacking Roblox. Mm. And and I think a lot of developers that think they have their finger on the pulse of like what's new and coming up next is like we are not like kids are not learning how to build sites by viewing the source of their favorite like Weezer fan site on GeoCities, which is how <laughs> I got started. Check out MongoDB Live, the flagship conference of the database most desired by developers. Hone existing skills, build new ones, and see what the hype is all about. Sign up today before it's too late. To register, visit trymongodb.com live. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Stack Overflow podcast, no fuzz edition. I am Ben Popper, <laughs> director of content here at Stack Overflow, and I've got three wonderful co-hosts with me today. I've got Paul Ford, Cassie Williams, and Jen Schiffer on the line. Hello, everybody. Hello. Oh, hello. Ben. Let's chat about what's going on in the world. Jen, uh, we don't get to have you on the show too often. Woo! Tell yeah, us about what's happening with you. Yeah, it has, what are you working on these days at work or side projects? What are you reading? What's been happening with well, you? Wait, hold on. We got to let people know. Who is Jen Schiffer? She's a yeah. JavaScript impresario, coding superstar, working at Glit. Like, what? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I am um, director of community at Glitch. I am a former three-time, I think, Stack Overflow guest, uh, one-time co-host with Joel when he had the soundboard. Oh, you go deeper. You go way deeper than I do. <laughs> yeah, wow. I, do, I am yeah. possibly. I don't know, Ben, how long you've been Stack Overflow, but I'm probably the deepest in the Joel Spolsky cinematic universe. Out of uh... <laughs> oh yeah, no, I've only been around for two years. I <laughs> guess I, I interviewed him when I was at the New York Observer back in like 2000. Eight or 2010, but I had a lot of people congratulating me on the sale, and I was like, I don't, I'm not at Stack Overflow. <laughs> work <Right>. there, <laughs> but thank you. But you were that you were at me. Fog Creek, right? Were you saying that earlier before we came on? I joined Fog Creek in 2017, long after Stack Overflow was its own thing. So I don't really. But pre Glitch, you joined Fog Creek. Yeah, or? I I joined I joined Glitch before the the relaunch. I joined February 2017, and then Glitch launched. A month and a half later, and then we became a startup, like, I don't know, like fall of 2018. But yeah, so I, I've been at Glitch for a while, and I'm still there, and I'm just leading the community. In fact, actually, this week, I'm, I've am i taken on the support lead role because my support engine lead, her daughter, is graduating college, which is very wow. exciting. And so that's so cool. exciting. So I'm, I'm, I'm doing uh, her, her job and mine, and I'm happy to be here. And uh, yeah, that's, you know, what have I been reading? Nothing. No, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Email. Glitch is kind of in the same space in that it's trying to make it easy for anybody to get started coding, but also like there's like an educational aspect to it, right? Like I feel like lots of tutorials and like apps that are introduced kind of with the idea that somebody would use it as a starter build or do a remix. I mean, tell people a little bit about sort of like what the, you know, the the strategy and like the big ideas at Glitch, because I think it fits kind of into the same mold. Yeah, well, I mean, I think my interpretation of Joel and Michael's ethos early on was like, we want to build the best tools so developers can build their own best tools. 
And, you know, like fog bugs was the start of that. Like a big part of building good tools is like properly tracking bugs and issues coming through and, and managing that in a, at a team and collaborative level. Then Trello, Stack Overflow, and then like with Glitch. And so Glitch, um, for anyone who doesn't know, was formerly called Gomix. And the HyperDev is a pretty, I mean, the project's maybe like five or six years old, but Glitch itself four years. It's a very friendly community of coders building in a powerful in-browser IDE. Um, we primarily support JavaScript. And so we have people building static pages like their you know, full link tree pages we're seeing a lot of now, full stack mm. apps. We have generated static sites now and they're building with their coworkers, they're building with their friends. And when people ask me what kind of apps people are making on Glitch, it's really hard to pinpoint because there's such a like wide variety. And so on my end, you know, we're still, we're a small company. You maybe need three or four hands to count how many of us are, are, are working <laughs> on it. And so I wear many, many hats. And so I've been doing a lot of stuff on the, the marketing and communication side. And so on, we have a blog, blog.glitch.com, where we've been kind of telling stories about Glitch through our creators. And so rounding up the best stuff that we've seen the month before, talking to creators about the things that they're building, because it's always like really super fascinating. And when you build a platform that empowers users to create so easily, I think like Stack Overflow, you find these really awesome micro communities that are created. And Stack Overflow has like different, you know, stack exchange sites and stuff like that, that run the gamut, not just right. tech, but you know, I know there's like religion and like math and, and other sciences. And with Glitch, we have people that are teachers helping their students learn to code or advance in coding. We have the WebXR community, especially through the A-Frame community, heavy adopters of Glitch from the moment that we launched even. Yeah, there's a lot of WebXR. There's a really cool community on Reddit. The subreddit's called Incremental Games, and they just make these cool cookie clicker games. There's a ton of those on Glitch. And then we have Google Chrome developer team building all of their demos of cutting-edge cutting APIs to showcase on web.dev, all on Glitch. Node.js.dev has a lot of Glitch embeds that are showing off Node APIs and stuff like that. So it's really like a wide range folks, um, some would call it chaotic and I thrive in chaos. So <laughs> that's why I've been here as right. long as I've been, because it's just such a really awesome, creative, chaotic community. It's also just so accessible too. Like I, I talked to you a few years ago when I was teaching kids how to code and stuff at, at community centers, and they were able to get up and running so fast. Like kids as young as six years old were able to make a web page on Glitch. And it was so cool to see. The really cool part about Glitch on a technical level is that you don't have to set up your own dev environment. We give that to you and not only that, but we auto deploy your code as you're editing it. And so when you have an idea, you can immediately start coding, but not just that, but you immediately see it live and, and shareable. And I think that's something that kids really like seeing like, oh, I typed a change and then something happened. Like, oh, wow, I made that that happen. And I think that grownups, including myself, love that as well, both from a like, oh, my aha moment is live and ready to share, but also like a, does this work? I don't have to like wait a while to see <laughs> if I broke something or whatever. And um, right. every project is powered, is like backed by Git. So you can make a mistake. You could break a thing and it's not the end of the world or even the end of your hour, I guess. 
I was going to say, yeah, like, you know, it's gone from what I sort of remember at the beginning, which is like a website, uh, you know, or maybe like, you know, sort of like a, a web app to now you can do a React project, a Node app. There are ones that offer you like a little bit of sort of like instruction and grounding and having some kind of database running in the background, right? Like over time, you've given sort of like introduced new modules. Yeah. And um, it's just a, it's a, a container that you can install NPM packages. So if you need testing, you can install test suites, databases, you can install that kind of stuff. The magic that's involved is the speed and the feeling that like you created something and it's already ready, but we don't have any like special yeah. language that you have to type and stuff like that. But I think going back to like, we we do have starters for even to start from, but I think the really, really yeah. cool thing is that you can start from projects other users have created and remix those because mm. you might not want to start from a mostly blank App. You might see an app that you think is cool, but you want to customize it for your own needs. And so that's another really right. cool aspect to it. Here's what you see that very few of us can see. All the weird parts of the web platform. Like you're like, oh yeah, there's a little web XR. There's like a real web XR community. And I'm like, what? Huh? Talk through some of those corners. So like what XR is like the the virtual reality 3D components like the web has ways to plug into usb and it hooks up to midi now and it does all those things so i'm guessing you see more of that than i might using you know google on my on my firefox yeah i think um <laughs> virtual reality augmented reality everything that's under this like umbrella of web xr which is which web xr was not what they were calling it when I had started out at Glitch that kind of is like how the community evolved as it started enveloping augmented reality and virtual reality together. You know, one of the problems with virtual reality since people started trying to create virtual reality is the portability of the devices and the tools that are needed to create these experiences. And, and people are hungry for virtual reality experiences. And I, of course that like escalated exponentially. Are they really? Because I, like, I just, I'm walking down the street. I don't see hunger for XR experiences, but people, people went and bought the glasses. They're out there doing it. It's real. It doesn't have to happen on a device on your head. The the lipstick I'm wearing, I tried it on online through augmented reality. I just like turned my webcam on and the website I bought from put it over my face and was like, this is probably what you look like with this color. And they were That's right. That's so cool. Um, and so the experience is not just a like, oh, I want to like see like a cool thing because that that is cool and it's not just about art but the way that these technologies really evolve and are invested in is if they play well into the capitalist machine <laughs> and so yes. in order to you know you want to be efficient and also you want accessibility and the open web is like hey we're here for that and so the fact that we have these right. apis that let you connect to usb now and midi and stuff like that they're all building it on you the didn't web. download the lipstick app is what you're saying i did not no well i mean we want to talk about like what happens when you go to a web page you know no i didn't i didn't have to like download like the java sdk on this new computer and, and no no you, you opened it. up a web browser <laughs> yeah of course yeah. yeah i mean i think those like the like very high touch hardware driven virtual reality experiences don't seem to have taken off but slowly slowly they're becoming cheaper and more accessible cassie i know you've had some great vr experiences like more and more people i know do have one set at least lying around that they use for stuff but then the augmented reality is happening all day, every day on your, you know, TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat, like that's, you don't even notice it anymore, but like using the filter to throw something in the background or change your face or do any of that stuff, you know, that's a, a constant thing for shopping, certainly for, yeah, cl trying on clothes and lipstick. What else are we sleeping on, right? So 
Turns out there's a whole lot of VR excitement happening out in the world. Turns out there's a lot of AR excitement happening in the world. I don't know. I'm like checking my bank account. What else is going on? Is there any any other stuff that like <laughs> everyone dismissed and, and we should actually be paying more attention to? This kind of ties into WebXR, but something a, a trend I'm seeing is um, people are well during during the pandemic, the art world couldn't really have in-person galleries and stuff. So they've been kind of you would have like a static web page that maybe showed some of the pieces that people could mm-hmm. look through. And then folks started discovering A-Frame and 3JS and were like, oh, we could actually make an experience that you can walk through. And you don't need a device on your head to walk through a VR experience in the browser. You can just use your keyboard or whatever your pref- preferable input device is. Sure. Um, and so mm. now that things are opening up a bit more, at least in the United States, we're seeing exhibitions that are launching and they're co-launching with that the virtual experience so that people all over the world can see what's what's going on. And I think that that's really cool. And they're building a lot of that stuff on Glitch. Um, and we have a lot of people. At, I've, I've been asked a few times in the past couple of weeks about just like collaborative apps that people can join during like events mm-hmm. so that, you know, like whether it's chat apps or anything like that um you know i remember with netlify's product launch like you know there are way more people in those product launch applications and i could tell that they're from all over the world and that wasn't something that we were seeing at these kind of events years previous so there i've just noticed folks that, that are, if, if you do a webinar people show up from everywhere they're just yeah, like, yeah, yeah, okay, cool, it's, whatever. It's really exciting. Yeah. It's cool and it's been normalized by... It's know, not this, cool this that webinars year. have been normalized, but it's cool that they're global. <laughs> it, it comes down to the accessibility thing again. And I think what's cool is that the browser has gotten to this point where it can basically be an operating system, which, which mm-hmm. I, I guess that's like what Chromebooks and stuff are for. But you can build anything in it and the the power that that holds to be able to see these VR AR things without needing a uh, special software for it and and being able to build some of these powerful applications with in the browser and and for the browser is really exciting. Yeah. I was going to say I love the idea that maybe we didn't see these things gaining traction in part because they're being done from the comfort of one's own home. But I think, yeah, like conferences obviously have changed. Art galleries, another great example. And one of the things I hear people talking about more and more when it comes to like, why did I bother with the VR headset is uh, exercise. Like, you know, I'm not going to the gym anymore. I don't feel comfortable being in a big, you know, Zumba class with everybody. So, but like, you know, put on the headset and do some Beat Saber for an hour. And like, you know, you've really gotten a serious workout. You break a sweat. You know, I think it's it's hard. It's one of the things I really like about Glitch and about, you know, also Stack too, right? Which is, there really is in your brain and on, let's say, Twitter, there's room for like three conversations to happen at once around technology. And it it tends to be what's Google up to? How is Facebook wrecking things? And, you know, is what's Apple going to do next? Right. Like it's like those are the conversations that people can have at like a really large mass level. And so the conversation always ends up going back to like, well, they ruined the web. And, you know, to Cassidy's <laughs> point, we've got what Java always wanted to be, which is like the true virtual machine that abstracts everything away, kind of runs everywhere. Right. And now it has 3D built in and, and you know, and it can display documents and it can be a, an app delivery platform and on and on. And it's clunky around the edges, but boy, does it, it actually works, right? And so these cultures pop up. And I, I like, I hear about the incremental clicker game culture and glitch. And I'm like, of course. And there'll be thousands of people. And it's like finding that one subreddit that redeems all of Reddit. It's that moment where you go like, <laughs> oh, this is happening out there. And it's happening times thousands and thousands. And it doesn't get 
a lot of attention because it just doesn't really fit in the whatever the prevailing narrative is. And the prevailing narrative is either tech will save us all or tech will doom us all. And in the meantime, people are like, I'm going to make a cookie game. Anyway, so I feel these communities are really important because they just like let people interact with this stuff without having to have a big opinion about Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah, no, I think that's true. One of the top 15 stack exchanges for the last, for the whole time I've been here is the Blender one. And, you know, most people probably outside of that world aren't aware, but yeah, they're doing 3D graphics and animations and games and lots of stuff in the browser. And it's as active as, you know, some of the huge sites for things like mm, Unix, you know. One of my favorite stack exchanges is actually the Code Golf one. Mm-hmm. And it's just people doing really ridiculous programming languages to be just like, I was able to write this program in eight bytes. And, and <laughs> it's very, very fun to see. You know, back to Blender, right? Blender is one of those things. YouTube is also the great reveal on how big a community is because I got interested in Blender just kind of from like, wow, it, it's really come a long way and it's really big. And then you go and it's like, oh, the fun Blender tutorial guy. Oh, here he is. Oh, oh. And he'll have right, like right. 700,000 subscribers. Like he'll be as big as as cable TV. And you're like, oh, that happened. All right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Several people have built entire careers or small services companies, right? Teaching other people Blender. No, that's... How they and it, Which gets us back to the original thesis of like how much value there is in the world of sort of coding education and content because you can pick it up from so many different places, you know? I'm so jealous of people learning how to code today. Oh my because God, Because they just have so many resources compared to what we had back in the day where, where I would just view source of the website and be like, okay, so that's how that works. And then mm-hmm. play with it in Notepad. My support engineer lead, I've been pairing with her every week for an hour and it's like the highlight of my week like she Mm. was like we have a new react starter she's like i want to learn how to like how react works so that i can best support our users um because she's fantastic and um and she doesn't have a background in coding but she's a coder now because she's been here for a couple of years at glitch but i was show i was on the firebug wikipedia page the other day telling her like in my day this is like when firebug (laughs) came out i was like if firebug had not come out i probably would have stayed a professor teaching Java because Java's tooling is so good and JavaScript's was non-existent. <laughs> and no, so it's so interesting how rem- things have changed. Like- Firebug, when it came out, and for people who don't know, it, it was the oh, the whole world of inspecting the element and going into a magical underground world of, of you know, toadstools to talk to you and flame graphs starts with Firebug. Like the web, it was terrible. You could barely even console log your way to figure out what was. You just reloaded a web page until your fingers hurt and hoped that it worked in IE as well. But no, I think that's right. There is an argument. It's a complicated, bigger stack now than it used to be. So there was less to learn. But what I what I remember is that you'd learn You'd learn stuff, and then the world of like real programming, which was Microsoft SDKs and Apple and and so on, was really out of reach. Like I, there was never a path, and it feels like you actually, even though it's really complicated and there's more to learn than there used to be, your actual power mm-hmm. and access to things that really matter is much greater than it used to be. Because web programming used to just you know people would just chuckle behind their hands. A big problem with coding education or where where people get started is they're asking, you know, what do I need to learn? And it really depends on who they're asking. And they're, you know, whether it's asking a group of people online or they're asking somebody that they look up to and that person's just been deep in that stack. Um, it's, It's just really super interesting to see. And I think 
another thing about the glitch community, like I get to see what all like the actual kids are really getting into mm. and it's making discord bots and like hacking Roblox. Mm. And, and I think a lot of developers that think they have their finger on the pulse of like what's new and coming up next is like, we are not like kids are not learning how to build sites by viewing the source of their favorite like Weezer fan site on GeoCities, which is how <laughs> I got started. They are in a right. Discord server and they're in another one and they see a cool bot and the person in that server is like, no, I'm not showing you my bot. You have to build it yourself. And then they come on Glitch and find it and then remix it and then build the bot. <laughs> um, and then they move forward through the other communities that they're in, which is like Roblox and various quizzing sites. And, and also, oh my gosh, my favorite is like, with remote learning, they're using all these like kind of newly made remote learning tools and they're so much more savvy than their teachers are. Mm -hmm. And so like we will get like reports from teachers that are like, my students are using this app to like bypass this other app that we're using. <laughs> and so it's it's really like it's interesting to see how kids are using code to solve their problem. And their problem is remote learning out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. And we have um, kids in our community who started when they were 14 and maybe they're like 16 now. And like, they're just so much more, I would say they're better developer. They're a better developer than I am because they're more in tune of like what's in, in the entire ecosystem outside of the bubble mm. of what I've been in, which is just like JavaScript consulting for enterprise. And the cool thing about the glitch community is, you know, sometimes kids come in pretty hot if something's broken, it's like, it's the end of the world. And I think even like Anil's and everyone else's is we come to them at the same level that they're at. And so the way that they interact in the forum today is like, they're helping everyone else out because that's how they learn Aww. at such a young age. And it's just really, it's really cool and heartwarming to see. And it's just like, how do we do that at scale? And like the closest would be like how the community works at like Stack Overflow and, and like, right. how do we teach people to ask questions and answer them and, and think of like altruistic helping versus like, I'm only right. going to help you if you pay. Interesting. The Jen Schiffer thesis is that even though things are way, way more social and everybody like discord is extraordinary, right? Like it's such a huge world and everybody's kind of yelling all the time and it can get kind of intense. The flip side of that is that a community ethos emerges wherever people are doing things together and people are often motivated and feel rewarded when they're helpful to newcomers. Yep. Well, that's cool. I like that future. <laughs> it's fun to see the eras of kids learning to code with different games. Like there's the Neopets era, there's the Minecraft era, now it's the Roblox era. I'm sure I'm missing plenty in between. Well, there's the old crabby dudes on a mailing list era that sucked, yeah. right? And it was just like, yeah. well, if you need to ask that question, you shouldn't even be using a computer. And it's just like, right. dad, why do you hate me? And so I'm glad that era is over because that was horrible. Yeah, I mean, one thing that I got there, Jen, from listening to you, which I think is interesting, is right, going to a website where you may connect with the people on the Weezer fan site and the comments there, but inspecting Element and doing it sort of by yourself, whereas the Discord bot and the Ro Roblox game are sort of very inherently social. Like, that's where my kids hang out after school. They're like, we made a deal with our buddies. We're going to meet in this game in Roblox at this time. So it is kind of like interesting to think that and the things that inspire them to do it, I think, is what you said. Is like they, you know, that's something they're going to be talking about in the offline world, or like, you know, like leads them to more offline engagement. Almost, you know, one yeah. of the great merits of truly conversational interaction is that 
you don't have to get all your documentation in order. You just kind of start talking. And, and even like Stack has this problem, mailing lists have this problem where it's like, you've asked the wrong question again. And you, you actually don't know what the right <laughs> question even looks like because you're, you're so early in the journey and you just kind of retreat sometimes for months, sometimes forever. Right. And so like when it's chatty, it's like, wait, what do you mean? I don't, you, you're just not making any sense. But are you talking about the color yellow? No, no, I'm not. I'm talking about, you know, and it, and it just kind of expands from there. So maybe right. the future is conversational chatbots forever. Something that I think a lot about is how people approach like getting help. And so I'll get a support ticket coming in where someone's like, my app is broken. And there's no other info there. And when I was starting out, I would go to IRC, um, to the free node CSS channel. And the first, <laughs> and, and I would look and I would see like the someone would be like, I have a question. And Amelia was like, well, what's your question? Ask the question. You don't have to tell us, blah, blah, blah. And they would end up like expelling more breath in response than the original person did. Um, I used to I used to run a, a, a used bookstore and people come in being like, I'm looking for a book. And in my head, I'd be like, you're in a bookstore. It's the right place. What book are you looking for? Yeah. Um, but when you come to a community blindly, you have no idea of like what people know. And I think that younger folks are kind of, I don't know, like they might have this perception that like anything that they're doing is already like known and seen. And that could be because like ads follow us everywhere. I, like right. I wonder if like their perception is like the internet is all knowing of all of my behaviors and like has all the answers. And so when I respond like, hey, can you tell me the name of your project and the issue that you're having? Like they respond like, oh yeah, like this is the project. And they've like elongated the the time from like panic to like solution by not giving that info and i see patterns of those folks coming back and like giving me all this info and i'm like this is mm -hmm. like fantastic like they like learned that like the more info i give the better mm. like you know and i i'm on stack overflow like every day looking at people that are using glitch apps to show their problems or to give answers and stuff like that and i still see that um and that's the same behavior that we've had about asking questions years and years ago. Right. And I'm like, how do we educate people to give the info that's needed? And I think a big part of that is like celebrating people asking questions. Mm -hmm. Like we, we used to have a hand raise feature on Glitch that so if you had issues, you can like raise your hand and people could come in and help you with the app in real time. And if you didn't need help in real time or like you're like, I have an issue, but I got to step away, then it's like Stack Overflow is the place to, to do that. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we talked a lot about how it was kind of hard to get people to initially ask questions because a lot of us have been raised to not be allowed to ask questions. Like when I was, when I was young as like a girl, if I like raised my hand, cause I had the answer, I was like a try hard and a teacher's pet. And if I didn't raise my hand, ask a question, then like I was dumb. Like there was like no way that like I can win. Mm, right. um, and I continue to see that kind of culture pervading and it's like, how do we stop that? All right, so it's that time of the episode. We are going to shout out the winner of a lifeboat badge, somebody who came on Stack Overflow and found a question with a score of negative three or less. They gave it an answer, and it got up to a score of 20 or more. Today's lifeboat goes to Rubarandinda Patience. 404 not found, but route exists in Larval 4.5. Awarded 16 hours Larval. ago. Larval. That's a classic. Yeah. Nice. Uh, so we'll throw it in the show notes <laughs> if you have a similar question or if you have that 404 not found. 
I am Ben Popper, Director of Content here at Stack Overflow. You can always find me on Twitter at Ben Popper. You can always reach us at podcast at stackoverflow.com. If you enjoy the show, please do leave a rating and a review on your podcast platform of choice. It really helps us out. I'm Cassidy Williams. I'm a Principal Developer Experience Engineer at Netlify. You can find me Cassidy, C-A-S-S-I-D-O-O on various places on the internet. And I'll throw it over to Jen. Thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, yeah. Thank you for having me. I love um, joining y'all. And, and it's great to see your homes, too, including Ben's very yeah. blurry, filtered <laughs> home. Um, I know AR, he's AR got a ceiling work. fan, folks. Yeah. He's got a ceiling fan. So uh, I'm Jen Schiffer, Director of Community at Glitch. You go to glitch.com. Um, I am Jen Schiffer, J-E-N-N-S-C-H-I-F-F-E-R, in various places, Glitch, Twitter, Twitch, um, and all my other projects are at the um, very professional-sounding website, genmoney.biz. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Paul Ford. I am a friend of Stack Overflow, co-founder of Postlight. Check that company out online. We are a digital strategy and software development firm, and we are hiring. <laughs> <laughs>